Hi, Hi, How you doing? Good. Good. <laughs> At last, it works. This is like Skype and everything else, isn't it? It just takes ages yeah. to get it actually working. I oh, know it's crazy. I mean, I live in Cornwall at the minute, so yeah. like the connection is so hit and miss. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, but, you using uh, Wi-Fi or mobile? Um, I'm using my mobile. I think my mobile data is better than uh, my Wi-Fi. <laughs> internet, so yeah, I can believe it. Yeah, um, whereabouts in Cornwall are you? Um, I'm situated in um, a place called like Rock. Like, Near oh Pads- yeah, yeah. Okay, nice, nice part of the world. Yeah, it's uh very, very different to uh, the rest of the world, but um, for sure, it's um nice part. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, I grew up in Cornwall, so um, I've got my Salt Rock T-shirt on today in honor of this. And it's oh, really, nice. Speaking, <laughs> it's really amusing that um, we're talking as a result of us both interacting on Gary Vaynerchuk's. Uh, I think it was his LinkedIn page, was it, or one of those things? So we united. Like you're in Cornwall, I'm not in Cornwall. Both got yeah. connections to Cornwall, but it's someone in America who's brought us together. How uh, how bizarre is that? But how wonderful! It's pretty, yeah. It's pretty fascinating. I mean, he put a post out, didn't he? And it was about it's like there's old fashioned kind of board posts where you put something on there that you need help with, and other people yeah, help. That's it, exactly. And then I put, oh, I'm doing a podcast, and then you kind of. I think you was like the first person who commented on it, and I was like, oh, that's men. Yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. Well, I like talking, so, you know, any opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and I mean, always, I'm just... it's always more, more attractive to me to be talking than doing all the things I ought to be doing. So, you know, just, just yeah. get drawn to that like a moth to a flame. I've yeah. got quite a few good connections out of interacting on that, um, on that, like you say, old, old school board thing. Uh, I don't know okay. whether they'll come to anything, but, you know, it's it's nice just to just for humans who are kind of on the same wavelength to, to, to join up, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so much um, potential on that platform, Yeah, um, you know, to grow and to connect with other people. Yeah, And I think a lot of people aren't aware of that. And so, so true. I've only just recently kind of, you know, found my feet on it. Um, yeah. I think at first I was a bit intimidated because, um, you know, I was on it and I was like, Christ, you know, like, you got very important people on it, but then, then you kind of realise, you know, you're all kind of working the same objective, and you're all kind of on the same page. So, yeah, and and some people aren't, and you find out more about them through that kind of interaction, and then you might decide actually, even if there was a possibility of working with you, I just don't like your style, I don't like the culture that you're very likely to have around with you. So you kind of gain intelligence uh, that you can base decisions on around all of that likewise other times you might see a side of someone where you kind of think oh that's interesting actually i'd really like to work with you or support you in in some kind of way so i think there's no like gary v says you know there's no kind of you know technology is not a bad thing itself linkedin is not a bad thing all these people like you know i'm I'm conscious i'm kind of channeling him again all these people complaining that you know linkedin is becoming like facebook well it's because it's got people on it and now the platform is it's becoming Mm -hmm. more flexible to what people want to share if you don't mm-hmm. like it, if you don't like my cat picture, well, go away. If that, if that offends you so much, I'm probably not going to like you as a person. Yeah. No, of course. I mean, I uh, I was just going to um, address you. I'm, I'll, I'll come back to what you're saying. Yeah. But um, you're, you said Mills? Mills? Yes, so that's doc, me. Doc, Dr. Million Mills, right? Uh, well, yeah, no, yeah, okay. I knew my mum really knows me by some of those weird Cornish names. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, but I just caught, address you as Mills. That's yeah, that's that would be awesome. Okay, that's yeah. fine. 
And um, you're, I did a little bit of research and you're a senior lecturer in strategic management. Yeah. Um, and you've worked with some, I mean, I've never seen a lot of resume like it. Um, you've worked with some pretty big um, companies and some big um, agencies, what, what, what would you call them? Um, like yeah, tech, civil service tree, departments and stuff. Yeah, the, yeah. And industry, the intelligence, intelligent agencies, uh, the governor of Bank of England, House of Parliament, the Royal Household. Like how, 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 how did you kind of come a part of working with within those um, people? And yeah, that's a good question. Uh, not not many people ask that. Uh, I mean, I think quite often people assume wow you must have come from a particular background and then you went to a particular university you studied a particular topic you got a particular degree and then someone tapped you on the shoulder and said come and do this stuff and then you just kind of magically ended up doing all this stuff and it was all really highly paid well you know it wasn't highly paid for a start um but the rest of it is there's two ways of looking at it i i sort of say to reassure people that it's nothing unique to me which is sort of true um it was all by accident now that is kind of true because you know any of those people who you meet and they say oh i've had a great career uh, and it's going to get better and i planned it all out on the back of an envelope or a beer mat or something at the age of 16 18 20 whatever uh, and i've just followed that route and it's all been amazing not true very 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 unlikely to be true so you know all, all my um experience exposure i suppose to some degree expertise that i've picked up has sort of been by accident in the sense it wasn't planned but now that i kind of look back on it and also look forward to what i want to do going into the future it was mainly possible because i could just talk to people and build relationships with folk and then go from that to under to listening doing an awful lot of listening rather than being an academic uh, type character who just had a lot of thoughts and people should listen to them I'm much more I'm pretty sure I can help you I don't know how yet but let me find out more about your problem uh, and you know let's have a chat over a cup of coffee or something about it rather than anything formal and then you know because perhaps I am somewhat slightly amazing <laughs> who knows I was able to to help people may, may often just help them see that they had the answers to their problems in their own organization or if they just took a slightly different perspective uh that they could achieve something but sometimes it was inventing things but not not that often mm. um and actually people like people people buy from people if you speak to estate agents and, and anyone involved in sales that that's still true people buy from people um, so, you know, I would get referred from one client in the civil service to another or just be able to pick up the phone and ask for an introduction to someone just because I was a friendly person who'd delivered some value using Gary V type words again. Um, and others were happy to, you know, take up a bit of time talking to me because they might get something out of it. I might. It might just be a different sort of conversation to what they'd have 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 normally and then before you know it you've you've got a kind of a career going not one that takes you to sort of mega bucks or um i I was never you know particularly senior either but in terms Mm. of people that i was involved with and the problems i got to help solve you know that that was pretty unique stuff and especially the combination of things um but none of it was because of you know me being somehow you know, anointed at the age of eight 
And <laughs> you're going to be master of the universe. One day, all of us yeah. will be yours. Far from yeah, it. Yeah. First, person, first person in my family to go to university. Uh, first person to join the civil service. First person to go through the military. All, all that stuff is true, but kind of irrelevant. Hmm. Um, need to come from a particular background to do quite well. It can be very, very challenging if you're from certain backgrounds, no doubt about it. I don't want to come across as entirely yeah, privileged and say anybody can be, you know, whatever they yeah. want to be. There, there are obstacles for lots of folk out there, but um, an awful lot of people also are held back by how they think society works rather than how it actually works. And that's maybe something that strikes a chord with, you know, what you're doing with life coaching and, and uh developing your consultancy into the future. Yeah. No, completely. And I think um, a lot of people kind of have a, I don't know, like, like a false image on the world. Like they, they, yeah. they think the world is, it's like painting a canvas, isn't it? People, you know, like you said, how they think and how they behave based on previous experiences and, um, thoughts they've taken from certain situations that you know might not be good enough or yeah you know based on where you're from or how you might look how you might sound and, totally and all of these kind of like combined together and you kind of see why some people think the way they do can't you and um very like much you, so you um like yeah there are blo- you know anyone can be anything they want but there are going to be like those lim- the limitations and those, those blocks in the way um yeah totally but what you said about that you can connect with other people and i think you know if you can connect with other people and you're a people person i think it's a lot more easier yeah um i mean i i I work in like sales in the minute like a clothes shop and Mm. i I, people personally i like to connect with people like yourself and it kind of comes natural whereas some people might find that hard because they might be slightly more introverted. So, do you know, so, but there's different challenges, isn't they, with each person, everyone's different. And that's, I think, what makes life interesting because everyone's got their own story, everyone's got their own fears and, you know, vice versa. Yeah, no, that, that, that is true. Um, and of course, people need, need yeah, how should I say? I mean, I think also social skills are quite undervalued in our society, despite the fact that that's how, that's what keeps everything going. And I'm always amazed by how many people in customer service and retail, sales, marketing, from junior right through to senior positions, actually have really poor social skills. Um, yeah. And I'm always kind of amazed about that because... You know, maybe I'm overhearing a conversation between, uh, you know, a, a, a manager and and a junior member of staff in a, in a coffee shop or something, and I'm kind of thinking, that's so not the way to be talking to that person. That's totally yeah. kind of demoralising, dispiriting, just wrong. I'm kind of thinking these. We we live in a pretty efficient economy in this country, you know, compared with countries that suffer with corruption and the rest of it. But yeah. there's still so much potential that's like trapped by people who don't really deserve to be in for more senior jobs that they've got because they're not mentors, coaches. They are toxic leaders. They are people who are going to be resentful of someone younger or older than them who's mm. smarter than them, who's got more potential. 
and and how much damage is that doing on an individual basis to that um that person's well-being the victim um but also beyond that how much how much value is is a, is a business not getting out of its people or nhs trust or whatever else and what could those people you know be going on to do if they were kind of you know if they just happen to bump into someone uh who, who would sort of give them a bit of positivity let alone get the management that they deserve and some proper career development maybe just to say look you're dreadful at food service you know you really you really struggle with it you're not engaging with the customers however how can we help you find something that you are great at and you mm. know whether you're a small shop or or a massive chain anyone can find time to have conversations like that with people but it just doesn't cross the the, the, the conscience if you like of a lot of managers which i find unbelievable but then again we've promoted mm. the wrong sort of people into management positions so you know I guess we shouldn't be that surprised. Yeah, well, like you said, with uh, businesses and corporations today, like the majority of them are very much like what you just said. Um, and they're quite like, not, you got these narcissistic characters yes. who are ruthless. You know, it's a bit like, you know, The Wolf of Wall Street, that movie. Yeah. It's, yep. it's like, you know, very much, it's a big, massive, you know, business and, and the world's a big system. You know, it's kind of a bit outdated and needs to be looked at, reframed how they go about things and their employees. Um, instead of like, you know, it's targets, 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 you know. Yeah. Um, because that puts an, an immense amount of pressure on people if they're not hitting their targets. And there might be a reason for not hitting that target. Something might happen in the personal life or yep. they might just not be feeling well. And like what you said, like, you know, what I've heard Gary Vee uh, talk about on his videos is that these high up people of these corporations and these managers they lack empathy yeah totally I think totally. that's a massive massive thing and they're not they're just so driven on the results and the targets and a lot of this I think comes down to school you know you're given you know targets and targets and percentages at school mm. even from like an early age you're be, being like spoon fed you need to get your targets and that's just how the world works isn't it but if these corporations and these managers can like step aside and go, you know, well, how can I help you um, with your work? Or, you know, like you said, how can we, instead of a boss saying, oh, you're not got your targets today. Um, why is that? Yeah. To, oh, you're not got your targets today. You know, is there something wrong? Mm. It's just, yeah. you know, makes that pressure just kind of diminished, doesn't it? If someone talks to you that way. Yeah, totally. And and the, the other side of it is, you know, does anyone reflect on whether the targets are sensible? Are they even achievable? Uh, do they still mean anything? Do they annoy, you know, customers if people are trying to make targets more than not making them? I mean, one of the great things I think of the current era is there are so many podcasts available where you can, you can hear some rubbish, but some inspirational um especially startup founders so i was listening to one the other day i'm afraid the name of, of the company uh eludes me but I'll, I'll i'll dig it up and provide it later yeah anyway, the um the, yeah the co the co-founder of this company was was being interviewed and she was talking about how they were doing really well um they they were in the marketing space so they've got lots and lots of customers and they had a range of different types of work coming in 
But she was really, really aware that an awful lot of the work that they were doing, so they were more than hitting their targets, like by one or 200% over in terms oh, wow. of income. So that is just a position we'd all love to be in. Um, mm-hmm. But the great thing about being privately owned, another Gary B um, favourite topic to harp on about, is you can actually choose which work you do going forward. So she knew, because she cares about her staff, she's got that empathy you were talking about there, Adam, um, yeah. that uh, her, her staff was suffering, they were super busy and, and so on and so forth. And a lot of them were doing work they didn't really want to do. It brought in cash. Uh, it wasn't work that they wanted to do. And so she took a decision, actually, um, they were going to let a few clients go that were providing them certain types of work because it then freed up the staff to be more creative. So they then gave better value to the pitches and, and the work they were doing for, for other clients. Um, and, you know, although it's kind of goes, flies in the face of conventional wisdom to turn down money, especially in the early years of a business going, actually mm. it wasn't doing them any good. It was increasing volume, increasing profitability, but it was kind of at the same time, you know, chopping away at what made them different as a as an agency. Um, so I just think that that way of thinking about things, which won't work for all industries and certainly won't work for all business owners, I suppose. But I, I really like that type of approach. Um, and I, I think that's how it should be. And um, I, I have a sneaking feeling that the companies that are doing well in the next five or ten years as the economy continues to change will be ones that begin to look after their people like that. Mm. Yeah. But I could be wrong. I think I, I've seen that a lot in businesses and um, some brands, mm. in, like, in brand companies. Um, I'm into my clothes and um, there's some brands that I used to buy. Yeah. That, um, I, I don't bother buying them anymore because the prices have shot up and I'm just thinking you don't, care about the people you know the people buying your product you're just so focused on you know they've they've created something like you know clothing brand they've kind of had mid-range prices and then they've become popular and they think oh let's you know whack the prices up to you know an extra high amount and then i think that yeah okay i understand if you're more popular you need to raise the prices but some companies can completely lose sight of their product and their people who buy it and the whole ethos they just become kind of focused on you know the money aspect of things and how much um money they're going to make yeah i'm sure you're right and i think that's a it's pretty unethical really isn't it sort of hook people into a brand a lifestyle etc you know i don't know whether it's just restricted to young people i suspect not um, and then when, when you've got their attention when you've got their commitment when you've got you know a third of their wardrobe or whatever you then just arbitrarily hike your 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 um your profit by x amount every every year or every quarter i mean it doesn't it doesn't seem right and i, I would have thought you're not going to get away with that for very long um i think there is mm. a lot of pressure now from consumers that we all know companies have got to make profit we all if we run a company we all want to be making a lot of profit um but you know, if, if you're Gucci and you're you're charging an extra, you know, X or Y percent for for a good, that's one thing. Because mm. what Gucci aren't doing is sort of saying, okay, so this handbag was, I don't know, fifteen hundred pounds last year. Next year, just because we say so, it's going to be two thousand five hundred. Because 
even though their clients are either really wealthy or they save mm. up and they're really, really loyal to the brand, mm. um, they wouldn't treat them like that. Yeah. Even if they could get away with it, they just wouldn't do it. Um, and that's the other thing. And that's what I like about certainly the work I do with the military is, is it's that mm. recognition that you're, you're, you're being judged for what you don't, you know, for not doing what you can get away with, even if no one is looking. So your conduct as a brand, as an individual, I think, is really important that even if you could get away with something, oh, you know, someone's left £500 sticking out of an ATM machine. Um, yeah. There's no cameras around. I could just steal that or pull, put a scarf over my head and grab it and run off with it. Mm. We're not going to do it. Um, similarly, you know, the brand, uh, you know, X, you know, um, of the moment, uh, leisure black athleisure yeah. brand or gym brand or whatever. Try not yeah. to say brand names that may or may not yeah, be relevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, okay, so they can now double the cost of their double the sorry the um, the price of their items. Yeah. yeah, where where the cost is probably coming down as their volume orders increase. Um, just don't do it. It's just not. Yeah. It's not. It's not nice. Um, I don't know life isn't all about nice but I don't know I think people do want to be treated nicely and um mm -hmm. I, I think this this stuff will correct itself I think yeah and I, and I think if you can you know if you're so focused on the product you can kind of lose sight of where you I mean on the on the price and the money yeah it's like um I think OV said or some other guy said that if you people who start up in business you know usually fail in the first year or a couple of years yeah you become so focused on the money and everything and you kind of lose sight of everything else that's helping it to work yeah um, but if i think you know if you like you said with empathy and working with people you have a much more effective business businesses will be more effective i think if they can have a bit of empathy and take people aside instead of just being negative um and talking to people a certain way and then mm. firing them because then that person feels undervalued and like they did something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it just corrupts, you know, a person's belief system. I mean, I, I know someone who had a really bad experience, um, in a workplace. Um, and this, you know, it's put this person off going back into those jobs. But I was like, well, not all jobs are like that in that mm. industry. That's that's your bad experience. That's those managers you had telling you yep. what to do and speak in a certain way. Yeah. Um, and it can yeah. stop people trying things. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem um, with 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 bouncing back after something like that, which can can really do a huge amount of damage, is you still you're still not totally sure that a new company will be any different or a new employer will be any different. Um, because, and I know it goes both ways. When you go for, you know, interview um, as a candidate, uh, you don't know what the business is really like. And to be honest, the people interviewing you don't really find out what you're about either. They, they find out you can do an interview well or passably in a presentation and maybe go around the office and say hi to people. But beyond that, it's still a bit of a gamble. And you, you too are gambling. Unless you've got some uh, trusted person inside the business who'll give you the, like, unvarnished truth about how things really are bad and good or bad or good you're you're actually um totally 
taking a gamble. So I mean, I do, I do sympathise with your, with your, with your, uh, with your friend about about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in future things like glass doors, they become more more trusted, get more data into them. Probably LinkedIn will have a role to play in this in future, where you, you get more transparency about what the culture, the conditions, the expectations are in an employer above mm. and beyond the job description and the usual, you know, mindless, empty commitments to, you know, personal development and looking after mm. our people, our people are our most important resource. You mm. get this day, many holidays, uh, this many hours at work. And then the reality is you've got some kind of toxic, aggressive boss who makes you work, uh, you know, more hours than you're contracted to. You don't feel able to take the holiday time and so on and so forth. So, mm. I think if, if we could find a way of getting more people to share information safely about what a business is really like, mm. it would be great because A, uh, if it's publicly listed or if it's otherwise got non-executive directors or something, they will have to act on that or should uh, act on that, that information. If they mm. are publicly listed and or, I don't know, they, they're regulated by someone or other, that data will be really important. No one is going to want to invest or lend, I hope, to, you know, a company that treats people really badly. Um, and your colleague could be more um, confident that when they go back, there's like a, I don't know, an 80-20 chance of it being OK. Whereas at the moment, mm. they probably think it's the other way around. Mm. Yeah, I've, I mean, I, I, I kind of worked in hospitality for like 10 years, nine, 10 years. Um, yeah like hotels, restaurants, bars, and um, the, the staff turnover is insane. Yeah. I have never seen anything like it in my life. And it's probably the, the same in some other industries, but, like, um, I remember we had, like, six head chefs and four managers, different managers or something, within, within like, eight months. Wow, I thought you were going to say a couple of years, and that would be bad. It was within a year, within a year. And I remember, like, you know, even from the house stuff we had were coming and going. And I was like, Crumb. like, it kind of, you kind of think to yourself, how attached do I get? How how much more, how much of an effort do I make with these people? And how attached do I get to them? Because you, like, you think they could be gone tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I, I mean, certain industries are very stressful, and there's a lot of challenges, but if you can have someone to talk to about how you feel or where you want to improve and mm. people empathize with you, I think a lot more people would stay in their jobs and they'd work a lot better. And I think that's the problem with like, like what we've been talking about. Um, Cause I, I remember I had something going on. I went to the manager and I was like, oh, I need to talk about something. Mm. And this manager was like, on a scale of one to 10, how important is it? And I was like, um, eight, pretty important. And she was like, I could tell the person didn't really want to talk to me. They were yeah. busy with their paperwork. Wow. And I was like, well, okay. you know what I mean? So you kind of think, well, because I think if you're listened to and someone takes you aside, you feel more appreciated as a person. And, and it just kind of ticks those boxes, doesn't it? It kind of, because if you feel a certain way and you work for a company, you want to feel valued. And I think they're kind of our core kind of values as a person, isn't it? You want to go to someone and be listened to if you don't feel 100%. 
yeah, uh, and you have a right to that as well. Although very few people provide folk who to whom you can do that. I mean, the manager isn't really in in most organisations the best person to to have nominated a, as a go to person to talk to about stuff because you know they've got conflicting priorities, haven't they? You know, they they need efficiency. They if you're talking about a relationship problem and it means you might be heading off to Wolverhampton to to catch up yeah. with your with your ex-partner or something then they're going to be thinking well uh, maybe the advice i give you should be a bit different to what i really believe because i want you to mm. you know to, to be here for the first second and third service every day for the next four weeks at least um yeah. and and that you know i know that this kind of stuff does happen um managers just don't care i mean that scale of one to ten thing is is really horrible that's not great i've heard very very similar things to that as well and again from from folk in technical jobs and, and non-technical jobs. Um, so the type of job you're in doesn't mean that these problems go away. They're just replicated at all different levels in all different industries. Mm. Um, and then beyond that, what kind of you know mentoring and, and coaching, career development do any of us get in our jobs? And actually, unless you're lucky enough to come across someone who looks out for you, not because they have to, because they but because they want to, you could get through an entire, I was going to say a career, most people don't have the careers that they perhaps ought to have, an entire series of jobs with no one looking out for you or caring about you other than are you in work? Are you healthy enough to do the job? Mm. Um, have you got a disease that's, that might contaminate my 100,000 sandwiches we're making today? You know, stuff like that. Um so, you know, in my experience, uh, working yeah. for the civil service, private sector companies, um, universities, mm -hmm. career development just isn't something that's spoken about. No one really says, um, where would you like to be in five years or 10 years time? Really? And that's largely because management in all those places aren't interested in you in a, as a person. They're interested in doing their job, but they don't see their job as being about developing others. Um, and they could be aware of, or they ought to be aware of, of things around them which are really obvious and they're less obvious things, but where they could make a real difference to people's lives just by having a quiet word, giving someone a bit of slack, giving someone a bit more work. Mm. A lot of this management stuff and leadership actually isn't, isn't difficult. It just needs that empathy and that ability to reach down and maybe pull someone up a bit mm. as opposed to thinking hey i've succeeded i'll pull the ladder up behind me mm. uh screw the rest of you type thing um mm. and the solution to all that in case any of our lovely listeners are thinking of it isn't to send all these people on management courses leadership development programs uh which could cost 500 pounds a day or £5,000 a day, or some people get 50k invested in them individually to develop. But fundamentally, they're just bad people anyway. So mm. you can give, give them all the training and education mm. you want, and they might do really well on those courses and get a lovely shiny certificate. And if they're being assessed, they might get an A-plus for their work. But they're still... Uh, you know, a human crab when they come back to the office. They haven't changed their behaviours. Um, so yet again, I don't want to be too mm. pessimistic about the fact that there's an awful lot of nasty people out there. Um, but
but the solution to because there are some great people as well mm. but the solution to the nasty people isn't to send them on courses to give them mm. life coaching it's really to i think to show them up for what they are but sort of say and look there's all these other people who deserve uh, to be in that sort of position how can we give them programs of support education confidence building mm. communication skills to get them into the boardroom them into middle management them into first line management second line management um because there is so much potential out there um mm. and that's i really like watching programs like undercover boss the american ones yeah they are great they're a bit sort of over scripted and the rest of yeah. it but you've got people and you know for for years they've maybe not not spoken to anyone from head office and someone comes from head office to see them just to wander around and they're sort of in tears and it's like this is the bare minimum people should expect is mm. like a boss walking about talking to them because it's well known that walking around and talking to people is a really good way of seeing things and you know just being approachable being visible why don't people do that you know, you're talking there about your, mm. your manager in, in food service who yeah. was, you know, stuck in the office with paperwork. You know, with management, you don't sort of lose the ability to walk and talk to people. Um, but the targets set on them, I presume, are about getting all the paperwork squared away and all the, all the figures filed. So that becomes the priority. But actually, maybe some of that mm. data entry could be done by someone else. Does it all need to be done? Can it be automated? Is there a better way? So it frees up that manager to manage as opposed to mm. do administration. Yeah, of course. No, you're completely right. Um, I think that's kind of, you know, how businesses should be, shouldn't they? There should be somebody, you know, someone can talk to. There should be a platform or system in place rather than just being like, yeah. you know, but there is why isn't this problem. right? I think, no, no, exactly. But I, I think one of the things that kind of kept me going there, because the, own, the owner of the um, place where I worked, he, um, you know, Dave, David Richards, he, um, I think he was, he was one of the high-up chairmen oh, okay. right. of uh, Aston Martin. He's high up in F1 and all that. Um, he, he owned the place and he would come in and, you know, he's, he's done really well for himself and, um, you know, he, your name, Perfect. he talked to you, you know, how how's things and how you're getting on. And I was like, you know, this this guy, you know, he you know, he owns this place, he's done really well. And he's a really nice guy. And um it kind of gives you faith in people, you know, and I think it kind of it make it keeps you going, it makes you want to be there if the CEO or the owner yep. of the company comes yep. in and he's you know taking an interest in you. And and it, it makes all the other stuff like you know, all this stuff doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like you don't feel you feel you feel worthy to you know what I mean yeah, to be in a place if yeah. and the owner respects you and um sort of string to the bow of people need, like that. Yeah. But they don't realise that they could make things better, make things easier for, for their staff but also themselves if they did that kind of stuff. And I think that goes all the way down to, you know, junior managers and all as well. That if they just came out of their office and wandered around, lent a hand with things uh, you know, bought everybody a Krispy Kreme donut or whatever, you know, it would, the, the, the rewards are so great from tiny, tiny actions. Um, and 
I just, well, mm. I wrestle with tr- trying to empathise with people who don't empathise with this kind of stuff. And, you know, if I'm in workplaces mm. or I, I'm out, you know, eating somewhere or, or visiting someone in an office and I see stuff going on, I, I really do struggle to see why people need to be not doing the important things, which, you know, as we've just said, are, are really, really quite basic. You know, being there to speak to, being there to comfort someone who's really upset. You know, how could you walk past um and you know i've seen that in places i've worked and i've seen that in places i've visited as a mm. customer you know where the cus- where fellow customers care more mm. for um someone who's upset uh than staff members it's like what's going on there i mean that's it's outrageous, outrageous. Yeah. but at the moment there's no feedback loop to punish. let's just say on the bad side to punish the brand the local manager the franchisee the deputy manager whatever it just carries on yeah people moan about it on twitter it might get picked up if you're lucky Mm. but the chances are you know nothing will change i think it's it's that power aspect and i think it like it goes back to probably quite a few years back you know like is it people saying the business in the 80s and stuff it's quite a ruthless time you know the stock exchange and that kind of like you know forceful approach and i think that's kind of what people feed on to get them to the top and i i mean there's a lot of successful business people out there you know i, I like yeah. watching the apprentice yeah. you know alan sugar and yeah uh, claude, claude and they're exactly. you know they're pretty ruthless people but you know they're not bad people like, and it's that balance isn't it you know it's being professional in what you're doing and then being able to relate to people and and things and I think that's you know a lot of the things in you know that I've learned on courses and you know doing coaching and different things and I'm sure you're the same you <laughs> yeah, do exactly, courses yeah. and you think you know this should be teach taught in schools but also be... there's no magic to it is there I mean I, I know that it? these sort of, sort of courses do give you some very very valuable skills but what they're most giving you I think and I'm, I'm sure you'll tell me if I'm wrong is you know the confidence that you know your own way of engaging with people is fine and here's some extra bits of hints and tips about what not to say and and how to help and tools to transfer to people but basically it gives you permission to to talk and listen um am i right roughly because it also yeah train you how to talk to people or how to listen no, of course so you've, and uh, although everyone has got a mouth and everyone's got ears and the rest of it it's it's the the way in which you know, your values help you guide someone to what they want to achieve as opposed to impose what you think they should want to achieve and so on and so forth. That's that's all the, the, the tricks that you'll be you'll be taught, no doubt. But um you know, some I'm sure that the few people that have I've bumped into who've been very uh impactful in terms of mentoring me, they weren't trained, but they would have you would recognise their characteristics if you if you spent five minutes talking to them. Um, uh, but you know, again, undervalued skills and activities in in our culture at the moment, except in high, I would think, in high growth, um, uh, in, on on the business side, high growth, highly competitive, talent uh, dependent startups, which really need to keep their people on board, 
working at their best, not necessarily working more hours, but the, the hours that they do work, they're just producing <clears throat> gold. Um, and you don't get, you know, a Netflix corporate culture or a Southwest Airlines corporate culture or any other businesses by accident. And they don't get mm. commercially successful by accident. They do it by building in, you know, the sort of personality that you have and the skills and uh, openness to mentoring and coaching that you have into the into the heart of the organization. It's not something you can fit on later. As I've said about those management and leadership development programs, you know, it's a bit late when someone's the boss and then you're sending them on a leadership program. I mean, what's that about? I mean, it's a bit like sort of thinking, hey, I want a really fast-moving animal uh, capable of carrying, you know, six or eight people at very high speed over long distances um, and then ending up with a guinea pig. It's like, okay, well, we've got a guinea pig, but we now need to convert it into, you know, something that could... <laughs> yeah. Whereas if you designed the back to, yeah, camel on this first course. time around, um, you'd have been, it, it would have been much better. So... I think a lot of this sticking, what I would think is fair to describe, is a lot of sticking plaster stuff that's done to senior managers and leaders in our organisations in, in this country and probably everywhere. Uh, it's too late. They're already fully evolved. They already think they're great. Um, they've, they've nothing really to learn. Um, mm. That's why it's called a development programme, because they're already amazing. They're just going to go to be you know, a bit more amazing. No, it's crazy when you think about it, isn't it? When you take a step back and you, and you think about the things we're talking about. You think it's, yeah, it's it is really. Hard. And the problem is, you know, we're all too busy. We're all too easily distracted by uh, the busyness of life and the need to have a career and to bring in money and, and all, the, all the other pre stresses and strains and hobbies and, and positives and negatives and is there going to be coronavirus and so on and so forth. But we kind of don't, none of us have time really to step back and think, this is just wrong. And of course, it, in itself, you know, we're not all yeah. going to go off grid and live in a log cabin uh, in Montana or something. That's just, that's not the option either. <laughs> um, and we can't all set up high growth software companies either. Um, but we're all going to have to find places to work where we are comfortable enough, valued enough, happy enough that we're committed to them. Mm. Um, and I think that there should be a lot of competition for great people as well. And uh, I think as the economy, mm -hmm. you know, who knows how it's going to, going to progress, but I, from what I see around, I, I think there's a lot of encouraging signs that that's, that's how things will be. Because mm. it's important to be optimistic as well as yeah, no. you know, deeply cynical and pessimistic. You know, there are people out there who've got great managers and who's, uh, HR departments really, really, really do look after them, and they're in smallish, family-sized businesses. They're in big multinationals. They're in bits of the civil service. They're in, uh, I don't know, the police service, perhaps. They're in bits of the military. Uh, so you do have pools and pockets and lakes and oceans of bad stuff. But there are, you know, I yeah, I think there are places out there as well. Yeah, yeah, um, and. Yeah, we're all going to have to work a lot longer, even if not necessarily harder, hopefully, in life. And, I, I, you know, we're, we're going to need to be in places that are doing us good rather than harm. 
you know, I, I do see a lot of, you know, very stressed, ill people uh, in a lot of the industries that I've consulted to or, or that I've got friends in. And, and it's not sustainable. Um, and there isn't an infinite supply of people to replace them. So if you do chew up your best yeah. people and they either become demotivated or ill or they leave and do something different, um, try replacing them. It's expensive. You might not manage it. Um, even if you do, it's expensive. Um, that constant churn yeah. you were talking about in food service and hospitality and retail, it's expensive. Um, it's not desirable. Um, you know, same with your know, sort of care and, and junior health positions and the rest of it. You know, this flow of people in and out is, is not great. Um, and yeah, also, most of us don't want to have a, a career like that either, of just going from low-paid job to low-paid job. We want to, you know, move up the escalator. Mm. No, that's completely true. I um, I, I quite like uh, a guy called Joe Rogan. You ever heard of Joe Rogan? I don't think I have, actually. No, is he another one of these um, great public speakers and thought leader-type characters? He... he um... I kind of got into. I kind of first started listening to podcasts, okay. and it was through him. But he he used to host a TV show called Fear right. Factor years ago, and he does the commentary oh, on UFC, yeah. and he does martial arts, and he's got a really successful podcast. It's probably one of the biggest podcasts out there right. called the okay. Joe Rogan Podcast. And loads and loads of people on it, and he on one of his episodes was talking about society and jobs and he was like talking about the jobs he did like construction he's like limo jobs and he's like you know even these corporate jobs and he was selling he was saying like you know how society is he's like you know you get promoted you buy buy another car you buy the latest phone and then the next thing and the next thing and so forth and then you get promoted and then he's like these people are like you know working in these boxes and then you know going home to them paying for a box and then watching a box <laughs> and, and never thinking outside um, the box right i mean <laughs> yeah and um you kind of and he was basically saying like you know yeah. do what makes you happy and he said that his on the video he said that his friend worked yeah. for like nickelodeon and got fired Oh, he left. I think he left, and then he he then set up right. his own thing, and he you know, he said the guy's successful now and he's a lot happier. But it, he was basically saying, yeah, you need to kind of find your happy, you know, what makes you happy, and it isn't work, basically. Yeah, or or it shouldn't be something that feels like work, I suppose. I mean, I, I always struggle to do work because it's the bits of my job that I don't enjoy doing, and frankly, I'm I'm probably not very good at. Um, but they come along with you know with the rest of rest of the deal and i i suspect an awful lot of people almost everything that they do is work i.e they don't really enjoy it and there must be elements of it or something Mm. they'd much rather be doing um and the challenge is how do they get from where they are to where they want to be because we can't all um even leaving aside money and money might not always be the biggest uh, barrier um, it might be or it might just be how do you cope with that in between bit between two bits two types of income like going from retail to mm. um, I don't know running a, um, a riding school 
you know, it's that bit in between of, of saving up the money or um, taking out a, a lease and buying horses. You know, how do you sort that gap? And there might be all sorts of creative ways to do it, but it's, it's going to take a while. But it, it at least would be a plan. But pe- how do we get people to um, almost for themselves? Because although we'd love to be out there talking to loads and loads of people being paid a couple hundred quid an hour to, to life coach them, um we might mm. we, we don't have <laughs> the resources to to support everybody they probably don't have the money and we don't necessarily have the answers either about how you get from working in next to running a a, a riding stables um but why should mm. it just stay a dream that could only be solved through inheritance uh they might already know that's impossible they won't get anything or a lottery win which again is so unlikely, yeah. you might as well not bother. Um, they all yeah. deserve an opportunity. Um, how do they go about doing it? And I, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Um, it's. I think that's one of the crazy things on that Gary V because I mean, he he. I think he did a video where he spoke about something. Yeah, I saw a video where he was giving a seminar. And some guy put his hand yeah. up or he shouted out. And he's like, he says, yeah. oh, give me a job. And he's like, do you want to come to New York? He's like, yeah. <laughs> and this guy like gave him a high five on stage and I think he left his job and sold out from the owned. And then Gary V gave him a chance to prove himself in his company. So, But I mean, like I said, those are just kind of yeah, right place, exactly. right time, isn't it? Sometimes. It's very, yeah. very, very lucky to in that situation yeah and of course that that person had to pay you know somewhere between one and five hundred dollars for the ticket as well to get to the venue to get time off to the venue and so on and so forth so there's a lot of you know yeah i mean there's more privileged folk i guess than someone who calls into the ask gary v show who literally could be from you know some rural village somewhere with no chance of attending any of his events ever of, of getting in front of him um but yeah it does happen but uh, I think people need more than just luck or hope or thinking, you know, the government's going to fix it mm. or, I don't know, you know, the fairy godmother's going to fix it is, is as likely. But I, 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 and I also yeah. wouldn't be patronising. I, I think that's a really difficult, well, a really important thing to avoid is being patronising about saying to people, hey, what's stopping you going from working in retail to running a riding stables or becoming a plumber or something because actually it's quite likely there's a lot of stuff um and some of it might be mm. real and overcomable some of it might not be but then it might be actually that person could if they just got the chance to share information with someone they might say okay so you know plumbing is out for you but what about and then some other bizarre thing that's sort of a bit similar but the person thinks i didn't even know that job existed um and then you know that could be the making of them that could be their thing because we don't all find our thing with a mm-hmm. plan or um you know there might be things out there i'd be better at doing than than i'm doing at the moment it's just the right person has come along to tell me um but i i, I really mm. do believe everyone has almost everyone uh has huge potential and uh could have a much happier life and probably a much more wealthy life spiritually and financially mm. um 
it's just how they get from here to there when they're trapped by the daily grind, circumstance, psychology, mm. uh, bad background, good background, where they think they have to do certain things. I mean, it, it's really complex. Um, yeah, it is really complex. And, yeah. You know, I guess, you know, if, if you twist my arm and say, well, come up with, just come up with one slightly positive solution. And I think, okay, so your option might be um, for people doing life coaching to donate a small amount of their time um, just randomly to people they bump into, perhaps, and who seem to have a bit of a spark about them. Um, and you could always use them as a case study as well um, and and work with them free of charge or possibly for, I don't know, equity return in the future or something, who knows, um, to, to, to help them out. Um, I just don't see any other way in which an individual behind the counter is going to, you know, change their life really without a bit of external input. And I, I've benefited in the past from mm-hmm. um, from counselling, uh, which has been uh, undertaken for a charity by people who are very highly paid psychotherapists during most of the week, but they then donate some of their time to to Mind, which is a, a great charity, and they're then much mm. more affordable. I think you know a few years ago now, but you know twenty five pounds an hour, it's still a lot of money for a lot of people. I totally mm. get that, but in terms of a counselling fee for one on one support and hints and tips and uh how shall i say revelations about myself which even now i remember and my memory is dreadful that was a really really good investment <laughs> um so like an equivalent of that sort of thing mm-hmm. but in your uh in your vocation might be a way of slightly more people getting a chance to i don't know it's almost like clearing their vision mm-hmm. or something isn't it Alan? It's, it's you know you don't have the answer but you can help them find their answer yeah, I mean the best the best way I kind of see it, or I was told, is like um, it's like a ball of mm. string that's tangled up. You, they've got the ball of string, which is the problem, and you're you're asking them questions, and they kind of untangle the oh, tangle that really string weird. themselves yeah. by you just kind of by just uh, facilitating that space and having yeah. that rapport, and uh, you know asking certain questions you know, to get another point mm. when the person feels listened to. Um, and, you know, I think that's like with anyone, we've all, we've all got the answers inside ourselves. It's just having that person there to listen to you and having that space. Um, and, and you can kind of go from there, but I mean, it's not a lot of people. Sometimes you'll have sessions or people you meet, they want to get that thing. Oh, done there that right. and there. So actually sometimes your customers uh, have got unrealistic your clients have got unrealistic expectations of, of what magic you can do. That's, I mean, sometimes, I mean, I'm, mm. I'm just starting out in this field, really. I, I've, I've done my training and well I've qualified. Um, oh, thank you. And I um, did that for a couple of years. But when I was doing my training in, um, in London, we had to do it in person with people. And we had to be, we had to be coached ourselves. Oh, that's neat. And then we then had to coach other people, and then we had an observer who basically gave feedback on the sessions of what we did. But 
sometimes when you 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 had to bring a problem or something to the table, um, and sometimes you know you kind of thought, oh, I want to get this done there and then, but you might have to have six sessions to then kind of work through whatever it is that's going on. You know, it depends yeah, what it sure. is, and everyone's different. But um, but but what you were saying with like that kind of service in, in the world today is yeah pretty expensive um i i've looked at some people's websites and I'm like, yeah Christ, yeah that's, yeah i've seen that as well yeah and it's um, difficult really to know how you'd get i that mean especially back isn't it yeah and i think like you know the best thing to do i think is to like you know you invest in yourself mm. it's kind of priceless but um some i think some people do charge quite a lot. I mean, I, I, I've done I've done most of my sessions with people for free. Um, okay. You know, through my training and stuff, and even um, now with people, some people that I've I've been doing for a while, even though I'm qualified, I'm I'm still doing it okay. with free with them because I, I I kind of think like you get you're gaining experience, um, and in the future that that money will come i think if that makes sense it, yeah it, it, that, i agree and not all about that in, in that kind of work you're not focused just on the money because you're working with people and i think if you if you just focus on the money it, it's not do you know what i mean it's like mm. people who do care jobs i i tell my heart to people sure. who do these care jobs but you can't be in it just for the money for that work no because there's other ways of earning minimum wage And it's, it's yeah, and yeah. it's hard, yeah. and 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 like when you work with people, it, it's a lot to take in. Um, but yeah, it's I find people fascinating. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, so. I, I think that's right. Yeah, as we get apparently ever ever so more technological and ever more disconnected from one another, the more I kind of think I'm just not sure that's true. I mean, I we all communicate with other humans far more than we ever have before. And it's possible across huge distances, time zones, yada, yada. But also, I mean, I, I, I meet and talk to a lot of people. Um, I don't recognize mm-hmm. this thing that everyone is, is, you know, eyes down in their phone, incapable of talking to people. I think mean, loads of people are, are, are friendly and talkative. I really think a lot of that depends on, on how you present. And if you look like you're, you mustn't be disturbed when you're looking at your phone, that's one thing. But if you've got like a friendly, open kind of look about you, uh, and you don't mind if someone talks to you, I think it will probably happen. Um, yeah, you're yeah, attracted to so. Daniel. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think you're right, probably, to start out, you know, not charging, because, uh, you know, it also gives you a really strong message to communicate about your values and how seriously you take all of this, that you're not starting out, oh, I've got my certificate, mm. I can now charge X amount per 15-minute um uh, session or per hour session or whatever um, and here's yeah, a discount yeah. for you know if it's one and a half hours or longer here's a discount if you if you I don't know um, prepay eight sessions or something because you know you're not a driving school mm-hmm. you're not um, you know music lessons for for a kid learning the trombone or something it, it's 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 far more fundamental than that this life coaching mentoring stuff uh, mm. it's undervalued mm. by those who don't know anything about it 
and it's appropriately valued by those yeah. who got stuff from it. Um, and, you know, yeah, in Cornwall, so. I don't know if you plan on staying in Cornwall for, for a long time, but, you know, I would think there's probably a, a fairly healthy community of folk down there who who would really benefit from your services and, and will be willing to pay for it once the word gets out that you've you've made a difference. Yeah, I mean, Cornwall, it's... Um, I think there's more opportunities for it up country mm. business wise, like you know, businesses. But I think there's a big need for it for like yeah. younger people yeah, yeah. in this area. I think like a lot of people I've spoken to are students mm. who are at college, um, or you know, in jobs, and a lot of them don't know what they want to do or who they want to be. And whether they should go to university, and it's like, so, so in that aspect, I think you know, for for my target, mm. more younger mm. people, I think um, in the future, I'd like to go more into the corporate side and kind of uh, offer packages yeah. and, and things like that to kind of help empl- you know employees you know within the work and things like that. But that's that's kind of you know in the future, far in the future. Yeah, so. I mean, I I think. You know, you and 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 the young people you're talking about can could do almost anything. Um, and you know, you, you as Gary V again would say, you know, you, you're young enough to, <laughs> to yeah. try all sorts of things, and maybe some things won't work. I wouldn't call that a mistake. Um, but it, you know, something to learn from. You don't know unless you try. Um, it's better to try and fail, I suppose, isn't it, than than yeah, not try I, and not I, I find think, out. Know, are, are they failures really though? I mean, I think, you know, if you're taking an idea to Dragon's Den and it's, you know, an umbrella combined with a toaster, uh, you know it's going to fail because it's just stupid. No one's going to buy it and it's fundamentally unsafe. But, you know, if you've got an idea that, uh, I don't know, you could do focus group based life coaching for uh, college goers, uh, minimum size of group six or something, and you'll have X amount of those per week within one hour commute from where you live or something and it doesn't work well you know they were all reasonable assumptions um so if you discover mm. actually there aren't enough people willing to pay for it well okay you now know i mean it's not like you could have known that in advance so yeah don't don't be yeah. persuaded too much you know you, you might also find nice. actually it's a surprising success yeah just do yeah, it and see what so. happens. Like. And I think also, you know, the, the young people of Cornwall do, and other rural areas, do kind of seem to think that they don't have many options. Uh, you know, I've got to say to them, you know, if you think it's isolated now, <laughs> 30, um, almost <laughs> 40 years ago, um, when I was conscious of uh, what was going on around me, uh, it was. Where where was you based in uh, Cornwall? Campbell, where was you based? Uh, it's not not the prettiest part of Cornwall for sure. Yeah. Um, quite the, the private places and got Cornwall yeah, and Red some, Roof. Totally. Yeah, some Pretty of the most deprived areas in the whole of uh, the European Union. So yeah, True. pretty grim. Yeah. Um, but always always potential. But the thing is, if you if you rock out of school with no qualifications, straight away you've got you've got big problems. Um, you, you know, it really is going to limit the sort of jobs you can walk into to not many. Um, 
but you know all is not lost there's still op- there's, there are still opportunities um there are apprenticeships they're not for everybody they might not be in you know industries you're you're concerned about um but you can re- you can return to education i again you know it's tricky have you got enough money coming in how does it affect benefits what are my friends and family going to think about it all that kind of stuff but there must be a, a there are different solutions to people other than leaving the county with or without qualifications just to get a job somewhere or staying and at best getting a minimum wage job with prospects but also being exposed to you know the risks of you know small count small town thinking the drug scene etc 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 um or worse just thinking i'm not going to do retail um and then suffering in every way because obviously benefits are not a great uh, a great source of income either so there must be other things mm-hmm. people, there, there are going to have to be actually put it that way they're going to have to be other things people need to do um to 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 carve out a, a, a positive future for themselves and everyone else can get agitated about banning you know second homes being bought in cornwall and protecting this village and that village it's all just you know games really because that, that doesn't affect individuals it doesn't make anyone else's life better it's all playing to the gallery mm. really all that kind of stuff i don't have a great deal of time for all of that um we can lament the loss of tin mining and farming and or some degree farming and fishing and the rest of it. But, you know, there are still opportunities and, you know, rock uh, is, is a, you know, a bright spot economically, Padstow. Um, well, any of the bigger towns have got a lot going on um, and mm. there are going to be prospects for people. It's just, there's a competitive advantage to the individuals who can somehow or other accidentally or, or otherwise find a way of, you know, hitching themselves to stuff that's going up as opposed to down or, or just treading water. Very tricky. If you mm-hmm. come from, you know, an, um, the Beacon Hill, Beacon Hill estate in, uh, in Camborne or Pengegan or something to think beyond, you know, what you see, Beyond where you are, where you I, are. I don't know how yeah. it's done, and I couldn't possibly say let's parachute us in and, and fix these people's lives. That's that's not going to work either. But um, people have got to escape, and they shouldn't have to leave the county. But they're also not going to be protected no. by the parish council taxing people with with second homes uh, extra and giving that money to young people because that's not going to happen either. <laughs> It's a yeah. trick one, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I see both um, sides. Cause, I mean, mm. I'm from Nottingham originally. Um, I was in the city for like 19 years and then yeah. moved down here with family. So that kind of like small town thinking and it was very, very different down. It's very, very different down here. Um, whereas I, I don't get caught up in all that. I just always keep yeah. myself to myself, do my job, you know. And I think... Like you said, if you're if you're from down this way, or you know, there's small little, just like small village oh, thinking yeah, everywhere, isn't it? But um, yeah, dead, dead um, right. A lot of people probably don't do things, or they, they think a certain way based around on around mm. the people they're surrounded by. Um, 
and I think like you said with Camborne and Bobman and, and, and some of these areas I mean even you know even up country you know you're in that place and you kind of you know it's probably easy for people to think oh this is it this is me um yeah, no, that's boot. true. And then it's like, oh, this sort of job isn't for me. Education isn't for me. My family have never done education. You know, if I was being bold about it, it'd be like, maybe everything you know is wrong. <laughs> um, you know, just because, you know, look at all the people who are doing education. Is there anything, what's the golden thread that's, that's great about all of them? And the answer is nothing. They're just getting on and doing it. Um, with if you don't like certificates you don't like qualifications you don't like study okay but how else are you gonna have a future no one is gonna mm. bring you uh, a better future you're gonna have to make it happen you might not need to fight for it and that's where you know the confidence of middle class people who go to private schools and so on really makes their life just so easy because some of them aren't naturally intelligent um but they don't have much in the way of disbelief. You know, they're really, really confident in themselves. Mm. And that counts for a lot in our society. Wrongly, obviously, because a lot of them are just, you know, bags of air. Um, but they are not going to get called out for a very long time. So they just sail through life, believing they can do almost anything um, and, and do well. Now, I don't think the rest of us should copy them, um, but we should know that's how the world works. Uh, and that other people have an equal or greater right to those people's um, lifestyles and careers because they do actually maybe have natural talent or they've struggled or they've, you know, come into this after doing something else. Um, and, you know, I'm all about where can people find ways of outpacing people like that who've just been told forever, you're going to mm. be great. And a lot of kids haven't been told ever uh, they've been great. They may not even have been told by mm. an in, by a you know an adult in their lives that they're loved, and you know you then want them to become you know really successful in life. That's really tricky. They've they you know they, they are mm. probably struggling to get through the day, or if they don't realise they are, they're significantly underachieving what they could, but. You know, none of us would do any better uh, in their place. Um, but, you know, the more ladders, ropes, escalators we can drop down so that people who, who at least want to, you know, reach out and try and get on that bottom ladder, that bottom rung of a ladder or bottom step of the escalator, uh, the better. But, you know, it's not going to come from the government, very unlikely. It's not going to come from the job centre. It's probably not going to come from the Salvation Army. Um, it's probably going to come from people just making these ladders themselves, maybe. Uh, or just being lucky, you know, bumping into you or someone positive in a shop or bumping into the parish priest who happens to say, oh, I met someone and, you know, his dad is, you know, looking for apprentices to do X, Y and Z. It's all chance stuff. But, you know, people need to find a way of being the ones who are up for uh, be, being exposed to those chances, really. But, you know, mm. if you're in a bedroom, you're on your eighth or tenth um, toke of weed that day um, and no one in your family has had a job for one or two generations and the weather's bad 
and X and Y and Z, you know, that's a lot of things in your way. And um, I'm, I'm certainly not judging people who, you know, find it difficult or impossible mm-hmm. to escape that. It is, it is difficult. And I think I, I mean, I, I like these kind of um, people on TED Talks or these people who are speakers. And half of these people who are successful, you know, they've come from hard times. Mm. Like Oprah Winfrey, you know, she went through. Good the point. And um, lots of people out there who've, who've gone through a lot of yeah. shit. Um, and I, I think it's like, I think it's like what you choose to do with it. Like, I think as soon as someone becomes a victim, you know, then you're thrown all your energy out the window. Yeah, that's a good if, point. If, like, the, these, you know, there's a lot of people out there who turn their lives around. And I, I used to hang around with people or live near people mm. where I used to live in Nottingham. And they, you know, go to the, I play football in the park and there's, yep. you know, some rough areas around there. And um, some people I used to know, they used to go to like youth offenders or is it called Penn? And they go in there for yep. a couple of months and they come out. And they'd be out, and then but that that they felt safer <laughs> on the inside, so they you know that's another set of problems. So it it's like um, a Rubik's cube in some ways, isn't it? It's like yeah, it is. And and you know we the thing is we can't save them all. And um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I think you've summed you've summed up the challenges there really, really well. I mean, I, you're almost sort of saying that. I think that there is some responsibility on on the individual to try their best. We can't, they can't all be Oprah Winfrey, but they could all be inspired by Oprah Winfrey or whoever else your, your idol is. I don't know if Tony Hawks came from a, uh, if he's a skateboarding guy, um, came from Mm. a tough background or not, but you know, loads of people do, do skateboarding. Why couldn't more of them turn professional from Cornwall? Why couldn't it be, the place that breeds, you know, mm-hmm. surfing champions, skateboarding champions, BMX champions, and whatever else. It it wouldn't take a lot. Would that be more valuable to the county than the Eden project? Oh, possibly mm-hmm. it would. Um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a lot less interest in people, I guess, setting up. Um, a, a training facility for the future elite of adventure, uh, you know, adrenaline sports in an old China clay tip than there is a load of plastic bubbles and uh, uh, two, two coffee trees and a yeah. palm tree, uh, which is going to change the world. Uh, mm. Spoiler, it's, it's, it's not, <laughs> <laughs> but it's very pretty. Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right. But, you know, but, in a way, it ends up being a bit like survival of the fittest, doesn't it? You know, Oprah Winfrey made it. How many didn't? Um, is that her fault? No. Does she have any responsibility for the ones who didn't make it? No. Did some of those people advance more than they would otherwise have done? Yes. Um, how do we make more people get out of Pengegan and, um, you know, thrive at doing something? Don't know. Are a few doing it? Mm. Yes. Oh, is there enough? No. How do we fix it? Yeah. Let's not do a load of academic research about it because that's just going to be, you know, throwing money, good money after bad. But you know, there are solutions. There, there must be. Um, but there is a way. There is a way. I think it's you know great that people like you are out there as individuals working with individuals 
who are the ones who want to um, progress. It's a shame you can't lift everyone up, mm-hmm. but it's not your responsibility either. Um, but obviously, there's a vested interest in a way of you helping as many people as possible because then the word gets out and more people will be drawn to you and you'll, you'll have a, you know, a really big business and future of loads and loads of associates working for you. So, you know, this, this could all work out beautifully. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's almost like, um, like with this podcast, it's, you have to push the boat out a little bit and that causes like a ripple effect, isn't it? And then that knocks onto something else and onto something else and onto something else. And I think that's how life is kind of is, isn't it? It's like a ripple, you know, one thing happens, another thing happens, you meet someone else. But I think to try and get that, because to try and get people who we've been talking about who are a bit undeprived, who are in those areas where it's hard mm. for them to get that started. Um, because I I think like I, I watched a good documentary on BBC. I don't know if you watched it, and um, it was uh, what's it called? Something right. about success. And they did a documentary on these people who were going to university, and there were four different people. There was like this Asian guy who lived in a rougher mm. part of London. Um, and he was going to, I think that was right. going to Cambridge University. There was another guy. He was white, male, a bit more upper class from a mm. more decent part of London. Okay. He was going to the same university. And then they tracked them to graduation and they all graduated. And then they followed them after graduation. And there was like the guy who was white, who was from a bit more market part of London. He was in a well-paid job had yeah. like an internship thing and the guy who did the same course same university from a different part of london who was asian was mm, still looking yeah. for work and he i don't know if you you ever find this because you, you're you work in like universities a lecturer but i think we need to be like more more open and more less judgmental and you know, to give people a chance. It doesn't matter where you're from. You know, Alan Sugar, you know, Alan Sugar, you know, he came from very rough part of London, you yeah. know, Kansas State. And I think we, we kind of judge a lot. I think we kind of, it doesn't matter, you know, based on your accent or how you look. Or, no, it really shouldn't. You know, if you're willing to give yeah, someone... Yeah, totally right, yeah. I, I mean, the, the key thing is, you know, being the first in, let, let's say, the... Um, the Asian uh, guy was the first in his family to go to university. The, the the problem is he's not competing on a level playing field after university still, because the chances are that the upper class white guy uh, has got, you know, lots of family and friends in all sorts of useful positions in businesses in, in London and, and further afield, probably, you know, Hong Kong, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I know a lot of people who've had very gilded progress and, you know, it's not wrong. It's just connections. It's just how things work. Um, and sometimes mm. it, it's exactly the right thing to recruit someone from your family or someone that you know of from someone else because they are exactly the right fit. Sometimes it's jobs for the boys. I'm helping out Dave by employing his son uh, and that will get me some advantage in a contract. You know, who knows? It could be all sorts of reasons for it. Um, and also, of course, the individual may or may not be 
be the best person for that job. We, we re, you know, we don't know enough. It's impossible to know enough about the, the decisions being being made about that recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you know, uh, the Asian guy or me rocking up in 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 London, you know, we don't have that. Um, I suppose a technical word for it would be like hinterland of of connections, of favors, yeah. of patronage, of Uncle Jono's James at uh, UBS or such and such at Barclays. You know, they haven't got that. So their struggle is greater to get into those institutions. They're then stuck applying like everybody else through the, the generic um, graduate um, recruitment schemes. Um, but, you know, a degree from Cambridge ought to really, really help with all of that. Um, but it may be that, that he feels, you know, his confidence is, is let down by the fact that he hasn't been snapped up straight away because most Cambridge graduates are snapped up very, very quickly. There may well be racism at play. Who knows? A lot of things. But, um, it, you know, overcoming inequality uh, is is complicated and messy. And, you know, it's going to be a mm. bit brutal, some of it, no doubt, uh, which doesn't make it right. It's just a reflection mm. of, of how society is at the moment. And also, though, I, I'm very aware of some very, very big employers who would absolutely look beyond background uh, connections and always just go for the individual. Uh, and that's that's the future. Mm. Um, no doubt about it that is the future um there's probably going to be a generation or two as as this kind of traditional way of recruiting people through friends of friends or kids of friends sort of dies off but it it's such a it's so unlikely to be the right way of working most of the time that it that it that it needs to die off and it will um but yeah the playing fields aren't level they're leveler than they have been but they're still nowhere night nowhere like uh, as levels they ought to be mm. i mean i felt like i had a i had an interview and was a i had an interview a while back and i never had this before but the guy said to me i don't really like he's like i don't really like cvs you know put the cv down he's like kind of okay. oh yeah i've looked at this stuff put the cv down and then he was like oh that's nice. myself. and i was like i was like wow i was like that's how it. That's how it kind of should be in some way. You're not just judging someone by the paper. He's like, okay, I've looked at your stuff. I don't realize CVs. You know, tell me about yourself. And I think because a lot of jobs and stuff, it's all very paper, paper oh, structured, it's isn't so it? Artificial, though. I mean, it goes back yeah. to what we were saying earlier about you know a lot of CVs and interviews being great for finding out somewhat how someone is at writing a CV and presenting at an interview and presenting at the presenting stage, but it doesn't tell you anything about the individual. I mean, they try it with like yeah. give us an example of when you dealt with conflict in the workplace. But you know, most of us are wise enough that we've got all those answers prepared anyway. So they may or may not be entirely true. Who knows? Impossible. You know, questioning someone to know. It's basically is it convincing or not? Yeah. Um, and again, it tells you nothing. Mm. Um, it's pretty. I mean, it, it it makes you sweat a bit though, doesn't it? If you're put on the spot by being told tell me about yourself i mean you, you, you're very very vulnerable at that moment yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i was, I was gonna um okay so ask a few questions about yourself and uh your experience sure. with the military are you, are you safe to talk about 
I don't know. Some things you kind of can't um, mention. Well, I'll, I'll let you know if that's okay. So I, I doubt it. I mean, one of the problems yeah, course, yeah. dealing with people who have allegedly done loads and loads of sensitive stuff is they do say, say things like, oh, I can't tell you about that. And most of the time, that's utter nonsense. I mean, even if that were the case, I wouldn't be so rude as to say it in that way. Um, there's loads of things I've been yeah, involved in where I wouldn't tell anybody if I could remember them. Uh, the full details, but the full details don't matter. Yeah. I, you know, the locations. I can just talk about the problem and, and ways of solving it. So, yeah, never be taken in by that nonsense. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, fine. No, I just, fine. just double check anyway. Like, but um, I mean, I I, I did. I I initially well, I was going to join the army because I, I did oh, public yeah, services course at college. Uniform service thing, wasn't it? Yeah, so that my my choosers yeah. when the signals are uh, many years in yeah. sort of Northern Ireland and etc. Um, and I kind of like you know I was like you know I really got yeah. on with them. I looked up to them, and um, I spoke to a lot of police officers who were ex-army, and they mm. like, oh, I joined the army. Um, so we did like army courses with college and and um, look at life courses with the rifles and the logistics, uh, yeah. logistics, yeah, RLC. And they were all really good experiences, and um, yeah, the the very I like how straightforward they they are, how forward thinking they are, and the level of confidence they have to go and carry out you know situations mm-hmm. that you think are impossible. But like, what what um, role do you, you have in the military? Um, like what what's What's your experience or... Yeah, I mean, it's been pretty, pretty similar. I mean, I've, I've only ever been a reservist, um, but I've worked alongside uh, the military since my first job, which was in 1998. So that's, that's going back a really long way. I mean, I think the key thing about the, the military as an employer is that it's as good and as bad as you might imagine. So, you know, many people have an amazing career, great commanding officers their career development is taken very seriously they do amazing training get great qualifications have great experiences in combat or otherwise and uh, come out of it um you know yeah have, have probably having transformed from where their, their background was where they could have left school at 16 17 perhaps no other options in, in the local area and so on and so forth and, and they've really come good and then, you know, there are others who've had very, very different, much darker experiences. Um, and that's got to be acknowledged. And that's that's more, more that's more people than it ought to be. Um, and, you know, it is still the case that if you get a bad uh, annual appraisal, uh, which may be unfair, um, your entire future career can be either slowed down or, you know, have a ceiling put on it. So there are some elements of, of military life and promotion and so on, which are, are really, uh, really need a lot of attention. Um, but in a way that also reflects wider society. There's toxic leaders outside. There's toxic leaders inside the military. Um, there's people who stick to the rules. There's people who break the rules. There's people who get away with stuff. There's other people who don't get away. You know, it's just, what do we expect? You know, it's just another human structure yeah, it's charged with some pretty serious stuff at one end. It does lots of very expensive stuff in the middle and so on and so forth. But, you know, it's mixed. Um, the individuals that I deal with, and I, I work with a couple of hundred military personnel at any one point in time, 
like I say, most of them have, have left school at 16, 17, no qualifications, um, have been commissioned to become officers, largely in the army, a few from the other services in their possibly late 20s, more likely early to mid 30s. So they've risen through the ranks. They've had very long standing careers. And now um, I'm helping them get an MBA for which they don't need any prior qualifications. As long as they're over the age of 19, they can go straight in on that program and um, complete their, their MBA in two years. A, a pathway that's also open to any anyone else as well. Though most of the military get a little bit of um, mon- financial assistance to, to help them with the costs. But it's still, even if you're paying for it yourself, it's about 6K which for a, a master's degree is uh, is an amazing price point. Um, so I'm doing my little bit of disruption out there mm. for you know a few civilians, but mainly military people who, who want to take this route. Um, and, you know, on the whole, they're an intelligent, savvy, well-read bunch. Well-read, I even know what's going on in the world around them. Um, what they lack mm. is confidence, confidence about academic study, because they've had drummed into them at school academic stuff is difficult you're a failure you're very stupid you come from a sinker state you're never going to amount to anything and sometimes in the military people have said that to them as well uh so you know my task is to sort of say wow forget everything you've been told before actually academic study can be really efficient it can be fun if you want it to be fun but it might not be um it kind of depends how you're wired but at the very least it won't be as bad as you think it will be um you don't have to jump through hoops you have to tick certain boxes but there's many ways you can do that here's how you reference a source i'll teach you the, the basics in you know 38 seconds um you'll get it perfect if you watch this little video it takes three minutes a lot of the stuff is really really simple genuinely it is so simple um about academic referencing and structuring essays and the rest of it but their expectation of how difficult it's going to be means that they look at something incredibly simple as i see it and see something which is for some of them insurmountable before before i start working with them and it's like Mm. what are you talking about phil all i'm asking you to do is put the author's names in brackets with the year of publication and then the page number and then close the brackets and they're like, is that what academic referencing is? And I say, in the text, that's what mm. academic referencing is. And they're like, is that all? And I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. The mm. emperor has no clothes. Um, so, I mean, I, I love doing this. Yeah. A, because it's really <laughs> easy for me. Um, but B, because I love seeing on their faces or on their voice on the phone, them kind of light up and think, it's almost as though they've been let into some big secret. And it kind of is. Because everyone goes on about, oh, academic writing, very, very difficult. Blah, 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 blah. Can't say, I have to say the paper, the essay thinks. And I'm like, hey, it's really easy. B, make it interesting because I've got to read it and I don't want to fall asleep. And C, you can say, I think, and not the essay thinks. And yes, you can quote from a newspaper or a podcast or a Netflix documentary. Yes, you do need a few academic articles, but there's millions of them, so choose some interesting ones. And they're like, I didn't know you could do that. It's like, I know. If only more people spoke about it like this. Um, But I'm only saying this because of the education I've had and that people, you know, they didn't speak to me like that, but they communicated that sort of message. And now I'm I'm happy to do that to the military, so, Mm. and anyone else. So, 
I love it because, you know, military people are very good at their trades, their crafts, their combat activities, their PT. Yeah, they're going to beat me on that all day long. Not, not a problem. With the academic stuff, it's a real mm. uh, fawn in their flesh. Um, and a lot of them are held back from great ex- post-military careers um, because they don't have a degree. Well, we can fix that in two years and they can have some fun doing it. And then they go and tell their families, this academic stuff isn't as difficult as I thought it was. And, you know, some of them will say, not my words, anyone can do it. And I'm like, that's victory. Yeah, that, that's winning right there. Because actually mm-hmm. that gets to people I could never reach directly or the university could never reach or probably the government could never reach and be believed. You know, Sue or... Um, Jack or whoever is out there up in Newcastle talking to his young cousins saying don't write off university you could do this uh, you, you you might not feel you can do it financially don't worry too much about student loans but from an intellectual point of view you can do this and you know that's going to that's gonna change lives and uh, in my part in that is, is very small but I love doing that because you know it, that, that, that's pretty important to me um but also i'm helping these people reach their true potential because all i'm doing is sort of saying it's e- <laughs> it's crazy really it's easier than you think it is and they're like i don't believe you and it's like well here's an example and then you know, after a couple of examples they, they, they get it um I, i'm not doing anything amazing i'm not you know selling them a, a 12-step process i'm not um I'm not telling them that, you know, they're special in themselves. Um, I'm just showing them that they can do it and there's some, you know, easy ways to to fit it in around the rest of their lives. And um, I like that because, you know, no one else is telling them it. Mm. And you're like kind of giving them it's a bit like yep. a bridge isn't it kind of giving the okay. bridge is the steps is what you need to do um yeah absolutely because the other thing i could do is i could work intensively with them um for like three or well, i don't right really have the time for it but you know i could f- squeeze in a few to work with them three or four hours a week and you know be there at their elbow as they they, they scrawled out their essays and and you know did research and stuff but like with you and life coaching that's not what you want. You don't want people to be dependent on you. You don't want people who can only work when mm. they're in the lecture hall, in the seminar room, talking to me at a table. You want them to be, uh, or I want them to be capable of doing this on their own, on a plane, at home, um, as they're commuting, just getting on with it and then checking in with me for occasional bit of advice or meeting up once in a while for a chat like mm. you do with people. The last thing I want is is for them to be mm. depe- is to swap being totally uh, at sea and unable to do this for being totally dependent on me. That that would be a nightmare for them and me. It doesn't do them any good. It's that yeah. What is it called? Um, comes into like um, is it safe safeguarding? Is it? Um... That fine line, like your but like personal boundaries, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly. professionalism boundaries, yeah. like 
You're going to have someone yeah. arriving knocking on your door at your house yeah. on, on, on a Sunday evening and be like, oh, what's, yeah, no, what's exactly. going on here? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to uh, put boundaries in power, place, don't you? Because actually, you know, traditionally, the academic is the person who knows everything. Fundamentally, I know very, very little. I know a little bit, of, very deeply about a couple of things. Beyond that, I don't know much. What I do know is how to structure mm. an assignment, how to do research, how to do reading really quickly how to do referencing they're just processes you know almost anyone could learn how to do them so if i if i charge people up and give them all these key skills transfer them over they can just run off and use them and actually after a couple of hours of that they could go and, and teach other people um so it's giving people power back so i'm temporarily powerful mm. because i've got the knowledge and i know how to do this stuff but then it's mm. like, hey, you know, as you said before this, this call somewhat hesitantly, you know, what shall I call you? Shall I call you Dr. This, visiting professor that? It's like, no, you know, it's Mills all the way because I do have those, um, those statuses and I've got lots of experience and, and you were very kind about all that. But actually, I want people to judge me not on my CV, a bit like that interview you went to. Don't judge me on my CV. Judge me on... Mm how i'm uh, how, how i am in this conversation and the chances are soldier x we're only having this conversation because i i'm a friend of or i've been working with you know two or three of your chums and you've heard about me um and that's what's brought us together mm. and, that, and that's all great and here by the way is some power for you <laughs> go off and use it um yeah because i don't want people thinking i am i somehow have have the secret that i'm keeping to myself because it doesn't do me any good. I can't, I can't monetize mm. that. Even if I thought I had the secret to academic yeah. study, which I don't really, I can't sell it. Um, because all it does is help individuals get good at what they do. Um, but f to me, it's just like second nature. And I want people to do well. And then it helps them outcompete others, uh, including civilians who don't have their background, when they go in at 35, 40, 45, or a bit older, into jobs rather than coming out into entry-level positions they can go for senior mid-management um you know second careers and that's what they're going on to do no it's really rewarding what you're doing um and to be to be involved in that i mean you know it's about giving something back isn't it and helping other people and yeah, having I that impact so. on them and being able to it's like kicking a ball to someone and then going okay well you know you need to go and do this now it's kind of just kind of facilitating them and, and guiding and, and them I isn't it the, I, think. I think you'll you'll be discovering as well but you know the boundaries between life coaching and and education are are pretty blurry actually because you know there's, there's many you know, if someone comes to you with, with you know, business problems or they want to change where they live in, in the country or the world, part of that process is going to have to be, OK, you're going to have not you, uh, your client is going to have to go off and do some research about, yeah, yeah. you know, can you be a nurse in Vanuatu or, you know, how, how are you going to set up a, such and such a business in Norfolk? Um, you're going to have to help them work out how they do their research education learning making contacts mm. with people somewhere else and equally with me some of those people ring up and they've the, the problems that are holding them back are related to they've got no emotions left 
you know, they're struggling with something in their personal life, mm. which any of us would struggle with. And, you know, they've got nothing left to give to the, to the academic study. So it's like, have a break. Um, and then they might say, I don't want to have a break. I want to keep going. That's fine. Uh, let's have a chat. Let's have another chat later in the week. Two chats next week. Come up and see me the week after. You know, we can, you know, help recharge your, your emotional batteries a bit. So, you know, I, I think all the things that we're, we're, you and I are doing um, are, are also related um formally or, or informally and i think that's all good as well we can cross mm. signposts to, to one another as mm. well yeah yeah it's all it's all about isn't it on the same kind of wavelength from the same similar very kind of uh it's like similar i think it is line yeah. of work, I, I think it? a lot of people don't think and... it is which is when i see colleagues you know in this job and in many other jobs i've had and you know they send an email to someone and i think wow, if I was on the receiving end of that, I would be shaken, if not upset, because they're just not aware that, you know, a student at the other end of that email is perhaps in a lonely, vulnerable place. You know, okay, you could just tell them you've got the deadline wrong, but why don't you sort of say, oh, it looks like you've slightly misunderstood the deadline. Don't worry, we can, you know, flex that by five days or so. Don't worry about it. Why is that more difficult than mm. you've misread the deadline, you should have got it properly, you could fail? You know, you've got a choice between how you message. In fact, I would say you don't have a choice because you shouldn't send the first one. <laughs> but anyway, stepping back from it, we've all got a choice about how we deal with people, whether they're clients or customers or students or colleagues or family or whatever. Why, why are people so readily going to the shitty damaging power playing negativity when i don't get a buzz from being rude to people um I've, i do know some other people do yeah. but why do we need to do it yeah yeah it's it's um that's something mm. that kind of stifles me i mean i i've learned from you know, experience and like, you know, when you, if you have a relationship, if you're in a relationship with somebody, you can, or anyone, you can send a message sometimes. If you, if you feel yeah. angry or you might feel upset, texting is the worst possible form of communication to use. And like, it comes across completely different and it might be misinterpreted. Um, and I think you're like, you know, you have to just talk about it, you know, say, can we, can we chat, meet or let's meet up. Or and talk about what 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 it is like. I know that on in a, in a university, they haven't got the time to say, "Oh, you know, let's sit down and have a chat," because there's thousands of people, isn't there, in a university? Well, so they need to use emails. I don't know. Yeah, but, but like, I mean, you, 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 we, you could also send a voicemail. You know, we've got that facility. You know, you yeah. Know. I mean, I think there's always options. I, I'm. Fortunately, I don't work with huge amounts of students, so I, I can absolutely just pick up the phone and speak to someone. And I kind of think, actually, there isn't really an alternative uh, at any university because you know a module would only have at most a couple of hundred students on it. Um, at, at some universities, it awesome. might have more, but then you share that module with uh, several colleagues. So each of you would, I say only, that is quite a lot, each of you would only be um, looking after in the very loosest sense, a couple of hundred students. But, you know, if you knew someone was going through a mm. tough time, 
Um, it isn't really the biggest deal in the world to actually reach out to them. I don't think. I think you're letting mm. letting people off the hook there a bit, Adam, if I may say so. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I'm, I'm not aware of like um, universal. Yeah, university I mean, I think it's very easy for, for colleagues to hide. Um, not current colleagues, obviously, but you know, for people in this sort of industry to hide behind numbers or we've got to keep a professional distance and all that kind of thing yeah yeah that's all true but you know if you see someone is visibly upset you know just a word or so you know if you've got any issues drop me a line or drop my colleague a line you know we'll we'll see you through again it makes such a huge difference to the individual such a huge difference so when we're fighting for uh for students you know against competitor universities here and, and elsewhere this stuff helps recruitment and, you know, one of the great things about where I work at the moment is mm. there is this genuine sense, which isn't written down anywhere, um, of care for students. So, you know, if someone is upset, is having problems, I know loads of my colleagues would, would bend over backwards to help that individual or a group of individuals um, and, and make things fix. And, you know, the admin system quite often kicks in to help people out as well in, in ways which sometimes they, the students won't even realise has happened, which is even better, I think. Because um... it's, it's a lot of pressure, yeah. isn't it, you know, being a student? And I think like we used the email, if you can reframe how you are putting that message across by saying, oh, I've noticed that, you know, you yeah. haven't handed it in, yeah. you know, would you like to talk about it? And exactly. Exactly. we're here to help you rather than saying, dum, dum, bang, 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 bang. Christ, because I I remember, um, because I, I I tried university. I I um yeah was at Nottingham Trent yeah. and I did criminology um for a number of months. Then yeah. the course wasn't for me. Um, but I remember like I had like a something to hand in. I had an email like that, and I remember, yeah, I remember feeling like hundred times worse. Yeah, and I was like, you feel like your life's you gonna yeah. be over if you don't get in, and I think. If you can have someone say, oh, it's okay, you know, just reframe how... Everyone does well out of that because the student is reassured and also signposted towards some support. They might, they still might not take it or be able to take it, but at least that signposting has happened. Um, Some of the students will, you know, do everything, make contact, get the work sorted, get it in on time or just after time. And, you know, that helps the university as well then because the university is judged by how many people complete each i don't know about module but let's say it's module each year and progress from one year to the next and then ultimately graduate so if you can keep someone on board by being kind to them um you should do it and then you know when they go back to their their hometown and they tell people i went through this tough period but dr hakeem or mr gupta or joe smith or whatever you know, sent me this email and he offered to meet yeah. up with me and gave me an extra two days. They they benefit. The individual lecturers benefit. The uni benefits. The sector looks great internationally if those are international students who then go back home and say, God, those people really cared for me. Or even if like one or two people cared for mm-hmm. me, they're, go- they're going to think that's the whole organisation. So, I mean, there is every reason mm-hmm. to be kind and generous uh, and even if you're not going to be warm, you could just at least just be polite um, because no one loses. 
uh, this is what I don't understand about being mm. shitty to people. It's like, who, ben- who benefits from it? Okay, so you've had the fun of sending out, you know, a really formal note telling people this is really bad and everything could go horribly wrong. But no one likes that. No one likes getting a red bill or a parking ticket, let alone that sort of message. Um, so that, that, that customer relationship mm. type stuff is changing in, uh, in education. So, um, yeah, hopefully the, the future is better than the past. <laughs> yeah, I think like um, you, get more, you get more out of a person, don't you? If you talk, you know, if you've got a team of people, you talk to them in a positive way, you get a lot more yeah. out of them, I think, rather than that, that negative approach. I mean, I think like it depends. Oh, there's no excuse in some way, but like in hospitality, yeah. chefs are stressed out. But I've I've seen some chefs like snap and react in that negative way yeah. and talk to people, talk to yeah. the other chefs like absolute crap. Or I've seen because I I used to work uh, I worked for Paul Ainsworth. Um, okay, he's a Michigan star chef. He's got quite a few places in Padstow and he's got a place in Rock now. He's um, over to the Mariners and. Um, He's very positive. He's very like you know, yeah, calm yeah. and collective and understanding. And I was just like, like wow, you know, like because you see the old. I mean, Gordon yeah. Ramsay was under a lot of pressure when he started out, but I thought of that. I thought of how this guy was now, and then I look. I thought back to how Gordon Ramsay was when he started, and he's like shouting, he's like calling people names and speaking negatively and i thought like you wouldn't get away no, with that if he was in an no. office job and i kind of wonder as well how often gordon ramsay <laughs> actually did that because there, there are so many people from what i can tell who've got amazing amazingly positive stories about working with him that he he probably reserved that treatment to people who he knew would benefit from it and some people do benefit from a bollocking and that's yeah, yeah. that's the only thing they respond to and they respond yeah, yeah. to it well I don't, I don't get the impression that he would bully people in that way because I, I would think he'd end up in tribunals and, and other things, and, and, and rightly so. But you are you are totally right, and, and uh, you know a lot of the top top chefs or top experts and, and professionals in any field they can't afford to be losing it and and yelling and screaming and you know upsetting the service even more by intervening like that. Mm. Not least because it will probably kill them. Um, you know, that, that is going to be bad for your blood pressure. Um, and it's, it's, it's a sign that you've lost it, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, I remember a, a chef said something to me once. I, I, I've had, I'm yeah, kind of but, immune to it now. Yeah. I've had that much of a chef. It's, um, I think one called me like, he called right. me like an effing idiot. He's like, you're an effing idiot. And I was like, sorry, chef. Because I like mess up an order, and he's like, "Yeah, you're effing idiot." And I was like, "I've done other jobs." And I'm like, "God, if you spoke to someone yeah. like that in an office, you'd be out the door. You couldn't, you couldn't get you in a lot of yeah. other organisations. Like, catering, yeah. it's just yeah, weirdly yeah. normal. Yeah. It's weirdly it, it is, it is wrong. Um, but ultimately, I think that will change as well. You know, it, it's going to take time. Um, but yeah, it, it's unsustainable. You can't just treat people like that. I, yeah, I kind of, if I, when I had it, like, cause I was used to, I had to just laugh about it. Mm, so I was just like, yeah. it was quite funny. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird how some things, probably you're the same as some stuff, like some stuff, it just, it, it bounces off you in some way, doesn't yeah, it? Exactly. You just laugh I, mean, about I think it, that's also a huge sign of, um, 
you know, maturity and also of just being comfortable in your own skin that you can just laugh that that type of thing off or just not react at all. Um, I, I did a podcast the other day um, in the moments after I'd been involved in a, in a road rage incident. It wasn't me that was raging, obviously. Um, and, and I was just <laughs> reflecting on on, uh, on on all of that. And it's like, you know, why why would someone take the risk? I mean, first of all, they were in, obviously, they were in the wrong. Um, but why would you then stop all the traffic, get out of your car, you know, make threats towards someone? You know nothing about the person in the other car. In the same way that that chef yelling mm. at you, doesn't actually know how you're going to respond. Um, are, how how, how yeah. much thought have they given to the fact that, you know, there's a lot of knives in the kitchen and, you know, some people really don't respond well to, you know, being called an effing idiot. It's very, very risky yeah. as as road rage stuff is, is very, very risky. And then, you know, I'm at a very kind of zen point yeah. in, my, in my life at the moment for, for all sorts of great reasons. And I was, even as he was, you know, doing all this mm. stuff, I was kind of thinking... I can't do anything other than feel sorry for you. Cause even if you hit me and even the fact, uh, well, let's not play through all the scenarios, but e- even if you do that, um, you're going to get a criminal record or you're going to get a further criminal record that is going to do you no good whatsoever. You are taking a crazy risk. Um, or what to me at least strike, uh, is, is a crazy risk. Um, plus if I was a gangster, I'd be getting out of the car and, you know, you, you you would be severely injured or sure. you know, what makes you think I don't have a sawn off shotgun or, you know, a really bitey dog in the back seat that I'm going to throw at you. I mean, all the unknowns this person was was playing with, but just so caught up in their emotion, um, blinded to it, blinded to any risk. Really weird. <laughs> It is a weird one. I mean, that's that's a really powerful way to think. I think how you how you've kind of um, what you've just mentioned there, like for you to have that mindset in that way is quite a, a powerful thing because you're you're kind of like not taking on all that emotion. You're not taking on all that stuff. You're kind of putting yeah. that all aside and kind of being like, you know, on focus on the person, the other yeah, person. I'm- it's not yeah i, I don't want to come across as, as, as some kind which... of priestly sanctimonious character because <laughs> no, i would no, also no, say no, i'm no, only capable of doing that now because i've taken a whole load of actions in, in the rest of my life to make sure that i'm as mentally and physically fit as, as possible for the rest of my life uh, which sounds very grand but it does require you know dealing with a lot of of, of loose ends and going through therapy and and uh, yeah. getting consultations from a doctor and so on and so forth and it means that I can now respond in a way which, yeah, but it's also much more me rather than, you know, a year ago, I might have said, you're just being an idiot or something. And that would have escalated that situation. Whereas all I said was just drive through the gap, sir. Um, You know, so, you know, but, you know, we all ideally need to be in, in that sort of space where we can see things for what they are that me arguing with this drugged up guy, maybe jumping around in the road, I'm going to win nothing by arguing with him. I don't think I can argue with him. All I'm going to do is make him even more agitated and uncontrolled. Let him go on his way. If he needs to swear at me, that's fine. I'm not going to report that to the police because, you know, we've all got away 
both he and I, without, you know, anyone being hit. So in a way, that's a victory. Um, but I feel for him because if yeah. it would have been different, um, he would have got a pasting um, from someone else or, or shot yeah, in the head. Or, yeah, it, it, it's just horrible. Just horrible. And he, do you know, he, man, does, yeah. he doesn't deserve that either. He's made a mistake. Uh, let's hope he doesn't do it all the time. It could have ended really badly. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those little moments and you kind of think, hmm, it's, you know, any of us being yeah. driven by emotions is is just not great. And uh, we've all been there in, I'm not really a road rage person, but you know, we've, we've all responded inappropriately on emails and texts and all that kind of thing. And it's like, actually, that's because we we perhaps didn't have an ability of being able to have that empathy and step out of that situation. Um, mm. but, but we need that and we need to do whatever we need to do to the rest of our lives to make sure that we keep carrying on being who we are, as opposed to being changed by our job, by our relationships into things we don't really want to be. And um, certainly I, I've, I've done that in the past. Do you try and accommodate stuff and you realize that's making me someone I don't want to be. Um, and, you know, you, you need to exit that because that, I think that's very bad for you. Mm. No, that's really, um, it's really true in what you're saying there. Because I just got a, so I'm still listening, but I think this podcast thing stops after two hours. We've got like four minutes. Left. Oh, okay. So well, um, let's, let, let's let's get it wrapped up neatly um, then. <laughs> but we've got a few yeah, but um, but what you were saying there, the um, yeah, remind me of the Wolf of Wall Street because the movie at the end, like you know, yep. goes for all that crap and everything else. And the guy who he plays, he just like public yep. speaking now in business seminars, but he can look at back on all the stuff he was yep. doing and be like, "That's wrong now." Yeah, when you go through the scenario situations, you know, and it's easy, to, it's easy to say it's all wrong as well but, when um, it's all behind you and you had a lot of fun and you made a load of money. It's much better if we can change course while we're in it, I think. Mm. Yeah, so have you, have, um, have you got any anything you'd like to say or like, uh, Ooh, like uh, any, any advice uh, before we finish? Like, like yeah, I mean, um, I post loads of those on my on my LinkedIn feed. Anyone is very, very welcome to to connect with me there, uh, and I try and replicate that on Twitter and uh, Instagram as well. So find me in any of those places. Basically, you know, education is for everybody. Um, I've got loads of free resources to show you how you can ace it, whatever stage you're at, and fit it in around your life, not have it, you know, change your life, change you from being what you want to be. Um, and you know, provided hundreds of thousands of people don't contact me, I'm always happy to share my opinions on, you know, educational pathways people are thinking of um, into the future. And thanks for having me, I suppose, Adam, most importantly. Yeah, no, no, thank you for um, being on the podcast. And, you know, I'm really, really humble and grateful for your time and um, getting in touch. And I'd be, I'm happy to be awesome. know, stay in touch yeah, and definitely. do another one of these. At least some... you're sending questions or something. Maybe we could both um, fire ourselves at those and compare and contrast what we come up with. That'd be neat. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I'm looking at, I mean, I'm starting off with this Anchor app at the minute, but I'm probably going to go on to Zoom yeah. or 
you know other things as well. So we we not a problem. Brilliant. All right. Thanks for having me, Ben. No, no, thank you, thank you, Mills, and um, brilliant. I'll be in touch, and I'll have awesome. a great day. It's, it it's really been really good. I appreciate it. So get it up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, Adam. Good talking to you. Cheers, you cheers, Mills. You too. Have a great day. Thank you. Ta, bye, bye.